Welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the subpar, mediocre at best podcast about being a new dad. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. My name's Matt, a guy that created a podcast just to call myself a dad ass, and with me as always is a pretty face and an awesome guy, Sean, aka Dude, the resident family counselor. Sir, how the hell are you today? I'm really well. Um, yeah, it's almost the end of the work week. Um, you know, I'm kind of hanging out in the speakeasy tonight. It's, uh, yeah, I got a nice cocktail. We got a great guest. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's been a good week. I'm very excited. I was sharing with, with both of you before we were recording how excited I am, but I just got to say, looking at the zoom screen right now at three wonderfully bald, but magnificent heads, my stubble of just a couple days unshaven is such a letdown compared to you regrowing your beard. Mm-hmm. which is great because that's very thick compared to what you were able to do just even a couple of weeks ago. But then we look at Ben's beard and then I'm just like, I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, we have like a really nice progression of like, you know, Almost like shaven. baby face, like sort of like, um, I'm, I'm past thankfully like prepubescent teenager phase. That was a um, weird phase. That was a weird phase for me for a while as my hair grew back. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I like got on and I saw Ben's beard and I kind of just wanted to just like cover my chin. Cause I was embarrassed by my, you know, I, I can't even call it a beard. I don't even know what to call what's on my face, but that man has a beard. That That is a beard. Um, I'm going to read Ben's bio because this is probably one of the coolest things I've read all year. Well, even longer than that, because I don't read. Yeah. <laughs> so, here, here's his bio, right? And Not your I've fault seen, you don't know how, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't math so good or read so good. But I have to read this because this is, this is exactly why I am so unbelievably excited to have um, Ben Hartnell as our guest today. He is a costume bearded and tattooed teacher that ran for U.S. president. He spends his free time tracking down the next big historical adventure with his son, Frazier, and the two of them entertain one another by poorly quoting movies. He's a power lifter with a bad back who's not a fan of leg day. We're going to have to come back to that because I teach spin. So we're going to have to talk about leg day. But the light... delights in the wardrobe and drinks portrayed in the big Lebowski. Uh, Ben, it is an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. This is outstanding. It's a a great intro. And again, this is uh, three good looking dudes. You know, I think we should just name this, uh, this episode, like bald is beautiful. (laughs) Also, the intro is good because you, you wrote it and <laughs> sent it to me. I just read it. <laughs> so I have so many questions just based off of what you provided me for a bio, but I'm going to save it because I know there's going to be so many other questions of what we're going to be talking about and what you brought for us on this episode. So before we get all of that going... We asked you to come with two things, and one is your dad joke. And you just, your beard just screams that you're going to have an amazing dad joke. Boy, it could, you could be setting me up for a big uh, letdown. So 
Um, all right. Well, based upon the fact I like history, that is going to kind of narrow the genre down. So if Sean's ready to jump in and pounce. Yeah, I already fair warned you that if I, if I, I know, to that's answer, fine. I'm go for it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> all right. What rock group has four men that don't sing? What rock group has four men that don't sing? I don't know. Matt, you got a guess? No, but I I've heard this one, but I don't I don't I don't have a guess. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> ah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> there you go. Okay, good. I was worried that you were gonna know that one. That's all right. All right, we're one for one. I, I gotta thank I gotta thank you though for 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 what the topic is for this episode and that you themed it with your dad joke. So I can't wait to hear the history behind your cocktail. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's any history behind it, but it's just it's tasty. That's kind of <laughs> I enjoy them. And and would you come with on this episode? Uh, we came on with a white Russian, also known affectionately by the dude as a Caucasian in the movie The Big Lebowski. So. Um, not, not, I don't like a, a ton of Kahlua in there. So it's really kind of just vodka and milk, which sounds awful. Uh, but it's but, uh, so good. It, it, once, once it hits the lips, right. Yeah. It's just, oh, <laughs> oh, mm. I, uh, I gotta be honest with you. I've seen the big Lebowski, uh, once. Oh no. I think we should and shut down right now and watch it. Can we, can we pull I, it up? I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I am one of the things that I set for myself for this weekend, the weekend in which we're recording, because this isn't going to necessarily drop the week that we're recording. I am going to watch it because I was like, if we're going to talk about it, you reference it in your intro. I know now the story behind the, the cocktail name. You've even I'm got a sweater it. that's totally channeling it right now. That's I'm wearing the dude's uh, cardigan. That's Thank right. Yep. We, got, we got it on. That's right. For the big occasion. <laughs> I, I so appreciate every single thing that you've done so far for this episode. Well, my wife appreciates because she hates the sweater. So she's like, if you want to wear it and get it out of your system right? like, you know, it, it's a perfect it, it even had a, it has the kind of dad look to it and so yes. forth. when yes. i when i when i wore that for thanksgiving even though it was just us she was like oh boy you really really pushing it here i'm like where are you gonna go right ah <laughs> I, I love it i think i think you know what you should just wear it because it's like a well this is a thursday when we're recording but you should be like, it's a it's my wednesday sweater it, it, it i do end up wearing it more often obviously in the in the winter this is a hard look to pull off in july but although i feel like you could do that though you know like <laughs> I've, I've got the legs like him. That's why I, I should probably go back and do some leg day, but that's uh, yeah, I've, I've got, I don't have the jelly sandals that he has in the movie, but I've got, I've got the, the nice uh, uh, penny loafers. So, well, it, so, so you heard it here. If any, um, if anyone wants to make Ben's day, he's looking for some jelly um, sandals to complete right. the summer look, complete the summer look. So it's just like, it's the nice clear jelly sandals. My wife, Definitely, we'll thank you guys for that. So, <laughs> there's a sandal store at Easton. Yeah, which on a totally random. I mean, you brought it up, so it's not random. I, for the life of me, and I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I can't figure out how a store that only sells sandals exists I, in Columbus. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because it's some some of these niche stores. You're like, that's fun. How many times do I need to buy wind chimes? <laughs> <laughs> 
No offense to wind chime stores, but I really oh. don't know. Or like, you know, the hammocks. How many hammocks do I need to purchase from you? I mean, it, it's a side purchase. That's in like the checkout aisle in August at Dick's, but I don't yeah. know why it'd be an entire storefront. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that actually being someone who's purchased sandals from that store. Well, so yeah. I feel like it's oh, you, you can knock it. You're allowed I, to. I'm allowed uh, to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, granted, they I bought one them. pair of sandals like <laughs> seven years ago. Um, <laughs> That's the problem. They made they made them too well. Yeah, they're rainbow. Their own, yeah. I was just gonna say you got rainbows, didn't you? <laughs> yep, rainbows. And you have blisters for the first two summers. No, no, no. What you do? I, there's a there's a way to break them in. You just go in and you get two bomber bottles of beer and you shove them into the like where your feet go, and you let them and then you um, put them in the shower. You get them real wet and then you just let them air dry, and they'll stretch out. How did you, did, did you find that? How did you know that? I don't or know. Trial man. and error. Like you went through seven pairs. You don't want to. No, no, no. The first <laughs> pair I bought, I like, I, I don't know if you've ever purchased a pair of rainbow sandals, but they're, they're the most comfortable things on earth. But when you first buy them, oh. they're tiny. Like, I'm not joking. Like I got sores on my feet. They're so tight because they're so tight because of the leather. Okay. So I was just like, how can I stretch these out? Um, and you know, I did what any, uh, what any scholar these days does. And I, uh, I Googled it. There you go. You know, so you, you didn't do the old tie it together with duct tape and park your car on top of it. Like you do breaking <laughs> in a new glove, like a new glove. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I had, I bought a new pair. This is like years ago when we were going to go down to Florida. And so, um, every time we go and see, um, we call them aunt Sue and uncle Bob. I've talked about them before on the podcast. Technically, they're not actually aunt and uncle. They're my wife's, like, I think it's something like second cousin once removed or something. But we call them aunt and uncle. Um, and we bought them and I was like, the sandals. And so I was like, I want to wear these, but I know they're going to tear my feet up. So we just stuffed them in there and did that whole trick and let them dry on the whole drive, like 24 hour drive down to Fort Lauderdale. So and seven years later, they still fit. So yep. Yep. did something right. That's right. This is a waste of good beer, though, but we won't get into that. Well, no, why is it a waste? It's still bottled. I drank it afterwards. Yes. Ew, but then it's like warm and like skunked. And then oh my god, can you imagine if they invented these things called refrigerators? I don't know. Ben could probably tell us when they invented the refrigerator. <laughs> and, and, right. and and who who did it? So what are you drinking there? That's a very sophisticated drink you have. Um. So. We're going to call this one um, to be determined on the name. I'm hoping something inspirational will hit during um, our conversation this evening. But it is something similar to a Manhattan. So, um, but not at all the same. So, um, but in the same vein. It's of, a Staten Island. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll call it, the Staten Island. Um, so, I just jump in real quick? because you said Staten Island. And so my, my son's collecting, uh, well, he, he's gone through the WWE phase and we all enjoyed it because it made me, you know, bring back my memories of Macho Man and all these things. Uh, so he's moved through that phase. So now he's collecting minor league baseball team shirts. So that, that's what he collects. And for his birthday, we, we found him the Staten Island Pizza Rats. And uh, <laughs> no kidding, like they shipped it in a giant deep dish box. And I, That's I, amazing. It's, it's, it's downstairs. I don't have it. And obviously you want me to see it, but uh, uh, I'll have to snap a picture and send it to you guys. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, like, and it and even came with two little packages of Parmesan cheese and some pepper. I'm like, oh. 
That is that's amazing. Awesome. You should it call was. it. You should call it the um. What'd you call it? The pepper rat? No. What'd you call it? it pizza rats. Pizza the, rat. You should call remember the pizza when that was like the thing. The the photo of the the rat in the yeah. subway like pulling the pizza. But you yeah, should call so the drink the, the pizza, pizza rat. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I want people to want to drink it. So that's that's true. That sounds more like a shot. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Pizza rats. Actually, now whiskey. I I have a um. Now, like my wheels are spinning, but um, 451 Spirits, they're a local um distillery here in Columbus. Yes, they made um a a one or two time run of this um product called Pizza Pichuga. And um, what they did was they actually hung um a pizza, a Mikey's late night slice pizza in the still. So as the alcohol vapors went up, no way, yeah, 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 and then they like put like um, a bunch of like green peppers and like sausage and all this stuff, and I'm not joking, it literally tastes like pizza, so or smells like pizza. Um, the only thing I've ever been able to successfully um, make with it is a um, bloody Mary. A bloody Mary. Oh, maybe I'm yeah. maybe I'll make a bloody Mary in, or a variation, and we'll call it the pizza wrap. Anyway, what I'm drinking this evening. <laughs> <laughs> is I, I like it. We're gonna call it the Staten Island. I like it. Um, Staten Island. So it is two ounces Larceny um, bourbon, and then it is uh, one ounce of. Are we still good? It's real yeah. scratchy. No, you sound good to me. Okay, one ounce. Uh, so it's two ounces of Larceny bourbon, one ounce of. Uh, apricot brandy and then a half ounce of orange liqueur and then three dashes of angostura bitters so it's sort of similar um you know we're sort of we're not putting any of the vermouth in like you would with a a a manhattan um but we're still getting some of the sweetness from the orange liqueur and um so yeah so that's the staten island did you create that or is that something you'd wanted to try no, no, I made that up. You made that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He he makes all of his his um everything at home. So he has So the when you said he makes it, you meant like make not like I mean I made my white Russian. I mean good for me, but <laughs> Oh no, yeah, yeah like yeah, most of create it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. He he has things so he can smoke um drinks. He he has things where he makes his own like carbonated like water. Um, I was told that um, you should never ever buy simple syrups because never. it's super easy to make. Like really? he yeah. does it all. He he does things with his own, like coffee beans and roast. I don't know. I drink. I don't drink coffee, so he's just a connoisseur of just random crap. Yeah, <laughs> but it works out because a lot of times I get a cocktail from him. Ah, too. true, true. And sometimes it's it's left at my front door. Actually, I should go check my front door just in case the Staten Island was left at my door before it's this. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not. Don't waste your time. It, it, um, but no, to answer your question, yeah, um, about ninety-five percent of the drinks that you see on our Instagram and all that stuff, yeah, I, I make them up. Um, so wow, you you're you're um, from from the little bit I know about you, you are a fan of history. Yes, <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I like but it. <laughs> are you familiar with the show Drunk History? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's not one I can show the students, but it's one that I certainly enjoy. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 You can't show that. <laughs> but when 
when Heather, uh, my wife and I were talking about how I wanted to start a podcast and this is when it was just not even a podcast and, and Sean wasn't even like a guest yet. Um, she said, you should, I said, I think I just want to sit with different dads and have a beer or a drink just like dads do and share advice. She goes, well, do one better. And I said, what's that? She goes, the one thing you and I hate most about drunk history is you never know what those good looking drinks are because they don't share that. So do the opposite of drunk history. And so when, when we started this and then when it became um, Sean and I, and it became the, the podcast, what it is now, Sean has just upped it to a whole new level because guests bring their favorite dad drink. Um, he just makes a drink that I don't know how to pronounce half the things. And it's, it's like a whole educational thing, all stemmed, stemming from a show that my wife and I like. But the the part of the show that we like that we dislike the most, and that's not knowing not knowing what they're drinking, <laughs> what they're drinking. You see um, the results, but you don't necessarily get it, the <laughs> exactly. But but the result, right, is that we get extremely accurate historical representations of <laughs> figures and events in our history. Because <laughs> usually John C. Riley is always nailing the role with any role he's in, he's nailed ever. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with that backstory and just kind of talking about history, we have an amazing opportunity to learn from you and you broke it down into the three categories, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat it. I'm going to let you share it to, to everyone. Um, what have you brought us for this episode? I'm going to just tee it up there and 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 let you kind of tee up what you brought. Yeah, sure. So, um, and I, I I like it. I like it. It does feel like kind of like three dads just sitting in the garage and kind of chatting away. And oh, I the the you know the the lights are on. I better get home. That kind of thing. But we're staying a little after hours here, which is good. <laughs> so, uh, no. What I thought I'd do is uh, not just give a history of dads uh, or you know the best dad here and there, but look at uh, the coolest dad moments, uh, father-son moments, really the coolest father-son moments throughout uh, three different categories. And I was, I was trying to, I didn't want to, you know, here's my top 25. You're like, Oh boy, <laughs> that's a 10 parter uh, and so forth. So I was like, All right, I'll, I, I figured I'll narrow it down. So I had it down to 10. I thought that's still too many. I had five, yeah, but my favorite number is three. So yeah, we'll carve off two. We'll make it three. Um, so I've got a couple. It's, it's it's the classic, you know, you only have four questions for homework, but there's 18 parts to them. So the the the, the third place one's got a couple runner ups. We'll, we'll discuss those with it. But, but we're looking at the categories of uh, best father-son moment in literature, uh, best father-son moment in sports, and best father-son moment in, in history in uh, military history in particular. So that's, that's what we're going to look at here. Oh, all right. All right. I'm excited. You know, I have to also say, um, and you're already on the show, so there's really no benefit to me sucking up to you now. I mean, you've already agreed to this hot mess. Um, So, um, you know, what I'm saying is, is, is actually true. Um, You know, when you're teaching, if I, if I had had a teacher like you teach me history, I at at a younger age, I really think I would have um, probably gotten a lot more into it. I tell people all the time that I am a non knowledgeable history buff in that, like, I like history, um, but like, I'm not someone who necessarily like knows a ton about it. But like, I find it very interesting and sort of intriguing. Well, thank um, you. 
but now as as an as a kid i didn't really find value in it and i think that was probably because it was often presented in a kind of a dry way and one of the one of the things you do is um you actually dress up like historical figures right yes yes i do and that's that's again uh, one of my my wife's favorite parts as well is uh (laughs) (laughs) going through it if you if you've never had to you know and, and not a lot of people can claim they had to you know put armor on their husband as he left for work uh, and so forth. Yeah, cause, <laughs> Wait, cause, did you yeah, drive yeah. wearing armor? Well, early on when I could fit in the car, uh, we, we put weight and armor is not very forgiving. So we've had to, we've had to get a couple sizes up as the years have gone on. So now, now I will put that stuff on at school. Uh, and I've, I've kind of rigged it enough to where I can do it without going down and then making the secretary uncomfortable because like, Hey, I need you to get quite get this armor in the back. Like you need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so if 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 it uh, if it fits then i've got uh the the pre pre-pandemic what i had going on is i'd have something different that i wear in every single day uh so if it connected to the history and early on there was um uh, we we do kind of a, a recap of what they should have learned maybe in middle school and a lot of that's world history stuff uh and so you know you cover all of ancient greece in a couple of days all of ancient rome in a couple of days as you're going through so you i can really kind of burn through several different costumes and come dressed in the uh the the the, the armor that you saw in 300 with an actual breastplate if i had abs like that i i wouldn't wear the breastplate either uh and so forth but point out what hollywood got right what they got wrong um, and then, then as time went on, I, I realized that I, I don't have like seven different outfits for the great depression. I've got two. Uh, and so I, I had to work things in, in between. And that's where we settled on the Macho Man Randy kind of, uh, different robes and everything else to throw in because I found the students just didn't like me in khakis and a polo. So if, if I showed up with that on, they often asked, do you have court today? I'm like, why is that the first <laughs> Why is that your go-to with me? Like, oh, I don't have court. I had that last week, but still. <laughs> that's, that's that's so awesome. Um, before you get into this, when we hit early on uh, 300 followers on Instagram, I photoshopped a picture of my head, his head, and my son's head and put it on the body of a 300 um promotion for the oh, movie 300 so i'll i'll have to send it to you via <laughs> and if Instagram. i remember if i remember correctly um instead of this is sparta we just did this is dad ass nice. um, <laughs> so go ahead and start but just know i'm 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 working on sending it to you right now via instagram okay all right and i'll figure out how to receive messages on that later <laughs> okay so i'll cross that, that bridge you later can explain how i do that so that's awesome i'm like i see a message i don't know how to get there so um <laughs> terrific all right so we're going to start with the uh the top dad uh son father son moment in literature so we, we've got i've got a couple runners up uh and so forth there so the first runners up would be uh uh charles dickens bob cratchit okay so we're talking the relationship between bob cratchit and tiny tim i mean that's that's up there and there's any number of scenes uh from from the book a christmas carol that you could go through and find that moving away from the gut-wrenching seam of the, the the little crutch against the gravestone and so forth. we want to move away from that but you have such an amazing father that he would do literally did anything worked for the most horrible person in the world and and kept doing it because he knew his kid needed uh the the money for the for the uh, uh for the treatments and everything else and i don't know if you guys happen to have watched the fx presentation of a christmas carol that came out two years ago 
No, I did not. Yeah, you, even though it's not Christmas time, you got to sit down. You, I think you can get it on Amazon for like four bucks and just power through. It is incredible. Now it's a it's a darker version. Uh, how do you make it darker, right? <laughs> it, yeah, oh boy! But it, it actually gives it gives background as to why why did Marley show up? Like, what's Marley's deal? Why are you rolling in here and messing with me? Uh, and so so it gives background as to why he's been sent back, uh, and then it gives a, a kind of a, a, a better portrayal of the change of Ebenezer Scrooge. So that's that's obviously. A, uh, a take on the Charles Dickens classic and so forth. But that's that's the first runners up. Uh, okay. It would, it would be Bob Cratchit and uh, Tiny Tim there. And then the second one, we've got uh, Atticus Finch. I don't know how you could ever discuss great fathers in literature without discussing Atticus Finch and his relationship uh, with Scout and with Jim and To Kill a mm-hmm. Mockingbird and what he did uh, in terms of the civil rights era kind of trial and stuff like that. It's just amazing. And and, and um, a lot of the, the, the I, I think what makes that book even more powerful is that the movie's so well done too. Like if you've mm-hmm. seen the black and white movie, it really, yes. pairs, it really pairs well with the book. And there's just some, some powerful scenes to where, you know, he, he's walking out of the courtroom and everyone stands up because he's an honorable guy walking by. And for him to do what he was doing in the South in the 1930s, is just, it's unheard of and so forth. So, well, we, we said we'd, we'd start with those two, those, those are your runners up. Uh, and then I, I didn't want to stay too, too emotionally intense we want to kind of lighten it up a bit uh and so forth there so i think and my favorite portrayal of any father-son moment is going to be uh from in god we trust all others pay cash and that you may not recognize the name of that book that book was written by gene shepherd and maybe that name doesn't ring a bell but gene shepherd is the narrator in the movie by bob clark called a Christmas story. Ah, uh, and so that, that is the book that the entire thing's based on. So the book was written in 1966. Uh, and so the movie came out 83. Uh, so it was, it was a while. And so the, the voiceover, uh, being Gene Shepard, he's actually got a cameo in the movie. Uh, mm. if you remember in the movie, when they go to see Santa Claus at the mall and they show up and the mom's like, see, look, Ralphie, the line's not too long. And he's like, Hey kid, the line ends here. It begins there. That's Gene Shepard. So you actually get to see Gene Shepard. No kidding. Yeah. So that, huh. when it's on TBS next year for the 48 hours of a Christmas story, uh. and every time you turn it to, it's the same scene. Like I saw that. It's like every rerun of Seinfeld I've ever seen. I'm like I've seen this one. So nonetheless, nonetheless, I think <laughs> I think the coolest moment because again, in in the book, the book itself is um, it's got 31 chapters in it, and each chapter is like a short story, and some of them are based upon actual experiences from Gene Shepard's life, uh, and and most of the stuff about his father, we never really catch the name, it's just the old man. And I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's just yeah. as the old man. Um, right. And uh, uh, so the, the, the book is about Ralphie coming home, and he's much older, and he runs into Flick, his old friend, the one that gets his tongue stuck to the flagpole at, at a bar that Flick owns. And so they're sitting there drinking, reminiscing about their childhood. And so uh, five of the four or five of the different chapters in that in that book were then turned into the Christmas story. So they, they took mm-hmm. the ones that kind of revolved around the winter season and then rolled it into um, uh, the uh, the movie itself. So I did not know that. I was just going to. Yeah, I, I did. Now, was the book based in Cleveland? Yeah, so that one, uh, it wasn't so much based in Cleveland. That's just where they happened to have shot um, the exterior with the house. And uh, as big of a fan, because I've got the leg lamp, we put it in our window, we got the crate and all that stuff. I have not yet been to the house. And I need to, I know, I need to get up there. And, it's, and I always say, I'm going to wait till like July or June when it's not like, gee, I picked December. I can't imagine why it's busy. So have so, you guys been? So 
I have not. And I'm sorry. Be- before I say what I was going to say, Sean, have you been there? I, I don't want to. Oh, no, I have not. I'm also shocked that you haven't been there because, you know, that's up your way. It's history. Well, and it's oh, also for, for me. Up, I'm, up, I'm originally from the Cleveland area. Okay. So when you do go in July, and 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 I don't know because of COVID times, that's stop sad. in Medina. That's my hometown. Okay. There is a place called Castle Noel off the square of Medina. It's older than Uptown, I believe, uh, uh, Uptown Westerville. But it, imagine Uptown Westerville, but a square, and in the middle is a, a park with trees and a gazebo. That's Medina, I'm the where Gilmore I grew Girls. It's it's more like Gilmore Girls, ex- <laughs> extremely. But uh, also, Medina is the B capital of Ohio or America. I forget because AI root candle factories there. So there's a historical little okay. tidbit for you. But they took a, an old abandoned church because they they built a, a bigger church uh, outside of the square. Um, this guy and his name is something Kringle, no joke. Like he, he le- legitimately, he looks like Santa, and his last name is Kringle. He has converted an <laughs> entire church in a building next door of all Christmas movie iconic costumes displays. Um, some of the big stores from New York City actually call him, and he has brought their like motion oriented displays um a movie you may have heard of christmas vacation <laughs> the motorhome of Ke- cousin eddie parked right between the old church part of the museum and where you start the tour he bought it in california it's all cosmetically painted on rust and everything it's not a beater it's just all artwork yeah. on there he drove it cross country to park in medina ohio why am so, i just now finding out about this Shit. there's also five breweries all within like a couple (laughs) miles. So, um, before you go up to the, um, the, um, the house in Cleveland, stop at Castle Noel. I'll send you some places to eat and shop and stuff too. So you get the history fix and then, then go up to uh, Cleveland. Well, my wife's from Strongsville. So she's from Strongsville. Yeah. yeah. I uh, lost (laughs) to Strongsville a lot in soccer and football. I know them very well. Well, she she uh, she was uh, in high school in Strongsville when she then moved down to Westerville, and that's where I met her uh, and stuff. Uh, uh, but she still has some Strongsville paraphernalia every now and then that she rolls out. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to tell her that because that's I tell her shame on her for not knowing these things. So that's her neck of the woods. It's all her uh, fault. It is. It is. And I, I it, it, this isn't going to be aired, right? This, this, that last clip. No, this is between the three <laughs> yeah. of us. Yeah. That's, that's definitely not being recorded. between yeah. just the three of us and anyone else who happens to tune in. That's right. So, <laughs> which we can solidly say it's no longer just our moms, which okay. is exciting. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of like what I ran for president. I was like, Hey, you know, you, you get, I got at least more than one vote, which means I got more than just mom voting for me, which that's all I wanted. In the end, I wanted to get at least two votes because that way it's not just mom because so it looks bad. How many votes did you get? We had it with 721 votes. So 721 people thought, yeah, this guy. <laughs> and and, and you had the beard. codes go well with this guy. Yeah. And you had the beard and everything. Yeah. That was our, that was the motto that the, the students uh, came up with uh, lower taxes, more beard. And then playing off of <laughs> playing off of 2016's Trump thing, it was make America bearded again uh, and so forth. So we, we had a couple of different things that we were using 
uh, in, and our, our campaign headquarters was usually on the fourth Fridays in uptown Westerville. So. <laughs> I, I wish the episode could be titled lower taxes, more beard or there less taxes, more beard. There it is. That would be an <laughs> epic attention grabbing title. Well, it, it worked out, but yeah, that, that was fun. But, um, yeah. So kind of you're saying is at least more than just the moms listening. So at least more than just mom voted. That was, that was key. But, um, so anyway, so back, back to, cause I, I'm actually taking notes. I always take notes on everything. So I, I wrote that down, uh, where, where to go in, uh, in Medina. So I've got my pen right here. So nerd. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I draw I, I it down. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to forget that. So, um, all right. So yeah, the cool moment, cause that, that's, that's, that's the background to the book. And then we, we know about the movie, but the coolest moment and the way he writes it is, is so beautifully in, in the, uh, um, in the book. And then a lot of times when he's narrating it as well in the movie, he's, kind of repeating like i think one of the greatest quotes is when the dad's teeing off i think that's one of the best parts about the movie too is you never actually hear him swear dad gum ratting farting tooting rooting you know so you know he's swearing but yeah. they don't have to you know do it and have a big beep 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 throughout it so it's the part when he's like you know some men work in you know oils and my father works in a tapestry of obscenity <laughs> that as far as we know is still <laughs> hanging in space over lake Erie. that's just one of my favorite quotes but uh the coolest moment has to be that 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 final scene when he asked Ralphie, did you have a good Christmas? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you get what you want. And he's like, pretty much like, well, that's, that's life. And he's like, Hey, what's that over there behind the, and then he goes and gets it and just watching the dad, you have to watch the dad's reaction as Ralphie's loading that, that red rider gun. And he's like, well, they'll run all over. You know, he's telling them how to load the BBs. And it, it's that, that special moment uh, that I think is just, and it always chokes me up when I see it and stuff. And that uh, in, in the book, the way he describes, it's just beautiful. So I always saw that as kind of the, the coolest literary uh in my mind, the coolest literary moment of a father or son uh, is that that big gift, that big, huge gift that he, he just he just knew his son had wanted it. And, and you didn't think he was going to get it the entire the entire uh, story. And then in the movie and then ta-da, right there at the end. That's just a cool. Now Actually, I want to read the book. I'm I gonna, was just going to uh, say it's a great read. It, and, and, and as you read it, you're like, I'm you can hear Gene Shepard's voice reading it to you because it's just so, so perfectly written. Um Again, that's that's uh, uh, in God we trust. All others pay cash, which is a great title <laughs> for that. So, all right, so that's that's literary. That's all literary. right. So we're gonna we're gonna move on to sports. All right, now obviously there's a lot of great you know father son combos in sports, but looking at moments. So without a doubt, the coolest moment in the history of the father son combo would be uh september 14th 1990 and that is when ken griffey jr and ken griffey senior went back to back home runs i mean i can't even imagine yeah that had to have felt ken griffey jr is 20 years old he's the youngest player in major league baseball at that time you know and his father's the seventh oldest and his father's 40 years old you know, his dad had spent time with the, uh, the big red machine and, and he was finishing his career up with, uh, with the Mariners in Seattle and, and his son was out there. And so he, he actually retired for 60 days. So then he could then be resigned by the, uh, by the Mariners to get out there. That's what, that's what he did. He retired, sat out for 60 oh. days then joined in. So he could get, there was a rule of time. If you retired, then you have to, so whatever it was. So he, he wanted to end up there and I don't think they were going to trade him. So he's like, I'll retire and then just come out of retirement, but he had to go 60 days. And so if you can imagine that this, uh, his, his dad was batting second in the lineup and playing left field and they, they show great clips of his, his dad was in left field and son's over in, uh, in center field. And uh, you know, son runs over and snags a few fly balls from the dad here and there. But I just, I, we all have that, that cool 
image in our mind of the iconic father son throwing the baseball field of dreams kind of moment, you know, and so forth there. And um, to go out there and warm up in the outfield of a major league baseball game with your father, you know, and, and the way they joke and interacted on the bench and so forth. But dad, dad on that night on September 14th, the dad was batting second in the lineup and he got up and got a home run and you watch it. It kind of bloops over the fence. So the old man's happy, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the son comes up and jokingly says, well, watch this dad. And then, you know, he bats third and then, Oh, he goes yard and it, a much better hit, better swing, everything. Uh, but it just, that, that, that whole, idea of father-son moments in sports but to go back to back home run yeah. i mean not even like in the same game or in the same season but back to back i don't i don't know how you could ever top that i, I just i don't know so i actually do know how you could top that okay go ahead and, and i th- oh. and I, th- I think it's it's gonna happen in my lifetime and i'm calling it now it it, it hasn't happened yet but i'm really looking forward to the day that Tom Brady plays in the Super Bowl with one of his children, because we know that that's going to happen. That's going to happen. We're going to retire. <laughs> that would that would top it too, especially, if, but especially if, if the opposite and his son sacks his dad. Yeah, that be, <laughs> and that's what takes him out, and that's it. That ends his career. And he goes in for the dirty hit on the kneecap. Like that's it, Dad. Every time, every time you threw a little extra pepper with me in the backyard old man (laughs) this is for not letting me have cookies after dinner that's right i don't want to eat your quinoa quiche whatever diet you're on dad i i I miss mcdonald's i want mcdonald's so that's it (laughs) don't don't you think though with with how um it's still a high level lebron's playing yeah that at some point and especially because i think he had his first son like 19, 18, 19. So that could, that could put him just before 40. I think it, it might. Cause I, I think his son's a junior or senior in high school, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, like, I mean, I think he still has to go college for one year. I think that's still that. Rule. Yeah. I think so that's gotta, still, but I mean, if, if there's potential for his son to play in the NBA, there's no way LeBron's retiring. Cause what a, what a moment that would be to, to D up your kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. I don't think he would let his son win either. Oh no way! You don't ever. I don't care what anyone says. He no, because no. <laughs> with the way the lottery and everything is, it's not guaranteed that his son's going to show up. You know, or not show up. Sure. Sorry, be drafted by you know the Lakers. I'm assuming he's going to retire with the Lakers. Yeah. Um, watch his son get the fortune of going back to the Cavs. Yeah, he goes back to Cavs. He's got to go and play his. <laughs> that would be delicious irony. I would. I would. 100% tune in for that. So that's that's for sure. Yeah, but the Tom Brady boy. That I mean, how old is his oldest kid? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's actually possible. I, well, but I, I, I want I, it to be possible now. I think his kids are are fairly young. <sighs> And but you know, he's, stranger things have happened. So that's what's, true. what's funny though is to to think about this, and this is a little bit off point, but after the Super Bowl, a, a lot of the language was in order for Tampa Bay Buccaneers to keep their team like the the chunk of the core players together and be under salary cap, it is cheaper to sign Tom Brady at 43 or 44. No, he's 43. Um to a long-term deal of a two, two to three-year contract because that brings his price tag down to be able to afford some of the players to still be on the team. How so, about like, that? <laughs> they're they're still talking. I mean, Tampa Bay's still looking at two to three-year contract. Oh. 
yeah. for Tom Brady. I would. You can't be just, you stay as long as you want, Tom. Like when it's time for you to go, I mean, Absolutely. as much people think he's going to kind of go the Brett Favre route and, and kind of run himself in the ground, that's probably what's going to happen. That's what so a, lot of, a lot of the great ones end up doing. And, you know, um, and then he can start a cheese business just like Brett. <laughs> but you know what? If he's winning, like he won a Super Bowl yeah. with a brand new team. So like he's he's still there. I mean, who knows? But I don't think his son's anywhere near where the LeBron um LeBron James and his son relationship uh in age range is. Well now I'm we're, disappointed. We were talking about like I don't <laughs> he's think, gonna I don't, be sixty. No, I'm done, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were talking about how like we didn't think he'd let his son win. So um I have a, a little basketball hoop in my office when kids come in to talk. Um, just cause it's a, I, it's fun to just sit in my office and throw the basketball at the, at the door. Um, but it's also like a nice, like ice breaking, uh, you know, sort of activity for kids when we're going to talk and stuff. And, um, every time a kid comes in, I, I'll look at him and be like, have you ever played a game with an adult and you feel like maybe they let you win and they like, look at me <laughs> and I smile and I say, I just want to be clear. This is not one of those. This is not going to be one of those moments. <laughs> My opening question is like, you don't cry when you lose, do you? Because <laughs> it's it's just going to be woo, ugly for you. And I'll run the score up. I'll keep the starters in. I yeah, don't care. I don't absolutely. care. Yeah. You're going to step on the court. We're going to play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Listen, I, you and I, I have a lot in common. The more that I hear you talk, um, I once wanted to move back home to be mayor oh. of of Medina, which yes. did not happen. Yeah. Um, I also have come to realize that I will never run for politics because I would cry at the first negative post. <laughs> what do you mean? That's, or that's, or I mean say that? Yeah, the first meme, like, oh, it's so vicious now. Um, and I have goofy ears, so like, I know I'd be great for memes. So like, I'm just, I'm out. I'm gonna stop. But well, you'd have to see. You would have to launch those to start with. That way, you take away. Their, I'd be the first meme. Right. Yes, that's you, right. You, when you announce your candidacy, you throw that one out there and be would, like, oh, okay, well, this yeah, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah, yours could be like, I'm here to listen. Old <laughs> <Yeah>. ears, <laughs> always here. Yeah, Horton hears the who would be your tagline. <laughs> <laughs> but my my jokingly but ser somewhat serious like second point of what I would run on as a politician is I would get rid of participation trophies. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So, Which would sound so great. You would be so progressive with your <laughs> what are his stances? First off, we need losers. Like, oh boy. Okay. Because I I at that time, now granted, I was in high school. Right when I first said this, because I was like, oh, I'm going to go to school and study po um, political science uh, and public relations so I can learn how to talk good, but also talk political. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, so I'm going to get rid of all these participation trophies. Because when I stated that, I was looking at all of the participation trophies and then like the two first place trophies I had. <laughs> or the one year we went undefeated, but our B team that I was playing on, I was a starter on the B team, never good for the A team. We were so bad, we were in the C division, but we went undefeated. So I, I remember saying to my parents, I don't want this trophy. Yeah. We yeah. were such a bad team. We had to go play teams we were better than, and we ran up the score. So anyway, my first, my first like political issue, no participation trophies. You got to learn how to win. 
Or how well, to, how to it's, ta- it's, take the taste of defeat. Well, and that's the thing. And it's, I, I totally agree because I, I think that this day and age, uh, and even some adults, they, they don't know how to lose. No, it's a, it's like a skill. It is a skill. Like, you know, your team can lose and the sun comes up the next day. I mean, it sucks, but come on. I mean, you see these clips where these people are they're punching their TVs. Maybe we've all been that moment where we've thrown something or cursed or sworn and we've all done it. But some of these people, I'm like, you need a solid seven and five season. That's what you need. Okay. Dude, you I'm a Browns fan. I'll take a seven and five season. Sure. Absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. I still don't trust that they were as good as they were this year. No. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm Detroit Lions. So bye Stafford. <laughs> good luck in San Diego. I mean, I'm actually happy for him because I think he, he deserves a shot. I mean, he's been nothing but a class act in Detroit yeah. and stuff. But uh, one more thing about the politics is one of, <laughs> one of the platforms that we had uh, was uh, an additional cabinet um position. And it was one that actually people really kind of gravitated towards. It was like, we need a sports star or you need a secretary of sports. You got all this other stuff going on. You need a secretary of sports that's going to step in and work with the NCA because we all know the NCA. <laughs> right. So you would have yeah. to have someone uh, that would be nominated by, you know, and approved. And it's going to be a, a cabinet level position, which does mean that in the order of succession, if something happens to president, you could have the sports <laughs> star guy. <laughs> You know, who also becomes president, but I'm saying, you know, uh, we put him at the bottom. He's the so last one. I, I know, I know you have one more category, but oh, yes, I need to, yes. I need to have a sidebar. Sure. Who would have been your, your chosen cabinet member for that position? <laughs> oh, well, for me, for me, it's going to go back to my, my favorite all-time baseball player, Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy from the Atlanta Braves, number three. Um, I would put him on because he was as clean laced and clean cut as they came. He was a fair guy. Um, and uh, the only reason I liked him was because uh, in the little league team that I was on, um, I was number three for the Westerville Braves. So naturally, yeah, 1986, I had to see who was the real number three. And there it was, Dale Murphy. So 3000 baseball cards later, they're worth nothing anymore, <laughs> but still have a box of them. So <laughs> I, I need to come up with who mine would be. Yeah. I know present athlete who I would like to be that person. Go ahead. And that would be Jossie Zardes of the crew. Okay. He's a good family man. Um, he's been very um, outspoken in, in um, social matters, which, which I appreciate. Um, he's a good uh, Christian man. He does a lot of great things um, within our community. I think I would want him I ask him. Um, but my mom jokingly says that the first words out of my mouth was Corey Schneider of the Cleveland Indians when they were so bad that major league came out. So I also feel, I feel like I would have to ask him if he was my first words. That was my my brother's favorite playing girl. So my brother, Nate, he loved uh, Corey Schneider. Mine was Dale Murphy and my sister was Nolan Ryan. We're like, wow, where where did that be? Yeah. (laughs) So who knows how they, how they yeah. ended up with those, but that was that that name rings a bell for sure. That's awesome. So I'm not a big sports guy. Uh, just has never been a thing for me. But you know, if uh, if I were gonna pick, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, going with fairness and like upstanding guy, Pete Rose. 
and he's he's an equal opportunity guy because everyone knows that his wife's the one signed the baseballs you're dropping 50 bucks for on ebay so so there you go (laughs) i hope that becomes a cabinet position (laughs) i do too i think it would be great and i actually in, in some weird way i think we we do need not that we need to drag politics into anything else, but I do think that, that we need some oversight and some of this stuff. It's getting to be a little, little dicey, but uh, all right. So let me, let me, I don't want to keep you waiting in suspense for the, the number one. We're, we're just letting it build. Okay. Oh boy. All right. Well, here we go. Right, let me get myself set here. So the, the last category is the uh, greatest father son moment in history. And in particular, I'm going to focus on military history. That was kind of my, my favorite topic. Um, Growing up, love the military history stuff. Uh, just in fast, just always fascinated by it. Uh, grandfather served in World War II. He was in the Navy, and um, and and talking with him, and and he, he didn't talk a ton, uh, like a lot of those veterans didn't. They they and, and what's always been amazing to me is, um, and I've, I've gone on a couple of the honor flights where you you fly the veteran oh, yeah. uh, to to World War II, and the, the the probably one of the funniest moments that happened there is we were flying. And we hit some turbulence and we were all over the place and I'm, I'm white knuckling the seat. I'm looking around at these, these World War II of them. They're just yucking it up and chatting. And this one guy leans always like, Hey, listen, I flew into Guam with one wing. I'm like, that's not helping. That might be the worst thing to say. I'm not you. And I was like, Oh my God, I have, I have a long way to go to ever be that tough. (laughs) Holy cow. So, and and grandpa, it was amazing that that generation world war II was just something they did between high school and starting a family. Like it was just, what'd you do when you're twenties? Oh, I fought against the Nazis and then had a family and worked in the iron industry or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was just, it's unbelievable. So, you know, I, I I kind of got my love for for military history from my father and then from my grandfather uh, and everything else. So the number one coolest moment I would say uh, in in military history. So we're going to, we're going to go to June 6, 1944. We know that is the, the infamous D-Day invasion. So that's, that's your operation overlord. That is the, that's the push by the allies to push through France to get to Germany at the same time as the Russian are coming in towards towards Berlin. It's a race to get there first. And in particular, Operation Neptune, which is a great name, uh, is the actual code name for the beach landing. All right. So if, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, you have an idea of the utter madness on the beach that day. And you had, you had the, um, the misdrop of the paratroopers the night before, and they're kind of spread all over the place. And uh, so it, things aren't going too well. And uh, we had shelled the beaches and shelled the beaches, but the, the Germans were so dug in uh, that it made the landing even more uh, catastrophic because you, you have two beaches that the U.S. are, are kind of uh, uh, assigned with. Uh, you have yourself Utah Beach, which is not as heavily fortified, and then Omaha Beach. And Omaha Beach is the one that's depicted in Saving Private Ryan. So we, we see we see the carnage there. And in fact, 80% of the fatalities uh, on D-Day, um, 80%, they were either in the water or in their landing craft. They didn't even have a chance to fight back. I mean, that's what's so wow. insane. So insane about that. And you have over 2,300 um, that are going to be killed just at Omaha Beach. You have a little over 125 killed at Utah. So the, the fighting level is a little different. Still still more than I've ever done. Uh, so it doesn't matter which beach they're assigned to. So that that's, that's, that's the background for this. And so the coolest father-son moment is, now, my favorite president of all time is Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, and so forth. And, and when, when, when people joke about, you know, is there a president that who's the toughest president? Like Teddy Roosevelt's the last president who probably could have actively kicked your ass. Uh, and so forth. And, 
and had a good time doing it while, while pushing his progressive agenda, just, just beating you into submission. So, um, I mean, the dude had partial you know, eyesight loss from boxing the white house. Yes, please. <laughs> like yeah. That's that's how, how are you as a foreign diplomat coming in? The president's all rockied up. They're like, all right, let's talk about conservation. Like, I guess we're going to, um, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, sir. So, uh, so, you know, unfortunately Teddy Roosevelt is, he's, He's dead by World War II, but his uh, it's his oldest son. So Teddy Roosevelt, he a lot of times went by Teddy Roosevelt Jr., though he was Teddy Roosevelt III. So Teddy Roosevelt's oldest son, Teddy, is going to land at Utah. At the same time, Teddy Roosevelt III's son, so this is the grandson now of uh, President Roosevelt, his son Quentin is landing over at Omaha. So you have a father-son landing at D-Day moment to where dad, dad is over at Utah Beach, okay? He's 56 years old. He's the oldest of the soldiers to hit the beach that day. He's got arthritis because he was, oh, why not? Also a World War I veteran, okay? So he's a World War I veteran. Wow. He's got arthritis. He's got heart problems. And he walks with a cane. And that dude is the first guy on the beach at Utah. You know, I, I'm just picturing he's got a cane in one hand, a pistol. And he's like, I'm here to kill some Nazis. You know, just kind of <laughs> like, oh, my God. I don't know if he's got like the the uh, the, the tennis ball on the bottom of the cane, but he's going to go up there. And <laughs> All right. So he, he he's well, is a beach. So he probably had like the four post walker. You would help. Cane, you would you know? you don't want to send him in unprepared <laughs> uh, and so forth. So I don't know if you want to be the guy cowering behind the 56 year old, but he's charging up Utah beach. Meanwhile, his son, like I said, Quentin's over at the more devastating beach and he was among the first to land, but he, he does survive. So, um, it's unbelievable. And Quentin, so he has two other brothers, two older brothers who are also in World War II, not at D-Day uh, and so forth. So you got this entire family that's just shown up on the greatest invasion in world history uh, and, and both take part in it, both survive. Uh, unfortunately, what happens is uh, Teddy Roosevelt III, he does die of a heart attack um, like a month later. So we, we, we lose uh. it. Uh, and so forth. And then uh, he's actually buried at Normandy Cemetery uh, in the same same plot and area as where his brother was, who was killed in World War One. So, I mean, this family has sacrificed literally everything um, uh, and, and partook in all these major things from, you know, Spanish American War and Philippine American War, now to World War One to World War Two uh, and stuff. And then Quentin died uh, in a non-military related plane accident at the age of 29. He was really young. And that was that was five years uh three or four or five years after the war had ended, he was over doing some, some relief work in China and his plane went down. So um, that's just, just amazing. I mean, if you're looking for a, the, the perfect term, you guys, dad ass, that's an incredibly dad ass moment from the standpoint that, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let's say at the same time, one, two, three, invading France. Oh my God. Like, where are you going to be at? Like I'm over <laughs> in Juno beach. I'm at sword beach, but we're Americans. So we're at Utah. We're over at Omaha. So I mean, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know who uh, I was, I was thinking of as, but can you imagine um, what it would have been like for mom or wife? Oh, Right. Like that had to have been just gut wrenching. Well, I mean, again, if, if you've seen Stephen Private Ryan, you know that the whole story to where, you know, the mother gets the telegrams that, you know, three of her four sons have been killed in action in three different locations. Um, and then the other son's missing the one they go back in for. So it's just one of those things where that stuff happens. Uh, and so, and the, the letter that uh, uh, General Marshall reads, uh, the letter from Lincoln to Mrs. Bigsby, who lost five sons. I mean, and the president, I mean, that's, that's what we just don't understand is um, 
the president of the United States takes the time to address this, this grieving woman who lost everything. She was already a widower and she lost five sons, five sons throughout the civil war. And he took the time to pen that letter, thanking her for the ultimate sacrifice, preserve the union. So it's, it's not that, that, that people don't appreciate history to the same degree as maybe they once did. It just, I feel like sometimes these stories need to be told so people understand that history is built by real people. It's not built by these, they, they, no one went off there thinking I'm going to be a hero. They're, they're a school teacher. They're a dad. They're, they're a farmer. They're whatever. And they're thrust into this moment of greatness and they have a choice to make. I'm going to be great or I'm going to be the guy dead on the beach and so forth. So these guys, you know, uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable. So I was just watching, um, part of uh, unbroken yeah um with with tuck the other day he was real rambunctious and now we have this little chair that he can sit on like his own little like recliner that doesn't recline and so if i sit on the floor next to it he knows to sit next to me and i like to watch historical oh. films yeah. specifically ones that aren't um gory especially sure. for him and I, I try and tell him just a little bit of backstory that i know but that whole story because he was an olympian yeah and, and to think, and, and I've, I kind of forgot about it and I felt dumb because I knew he was an Olympian, but he was an Olympian when it was hosted in Germany. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and I was like, wow, this, you know, blew me away. And, and, and then I was like, I, I was in the reserves. I was in the Coast Guard. Um, okay. And I followed in my dad's footsteps. He did 10 years Navy, 10 years Coast Guard. And I was like, well, I'll do, I'm too dumb to get into an academy. I'll go to Otterbein and then be in the reserves. And then I'll be smart enough to to be become an officer. And instead, I stayed enlisted. And um, I I look and, and think about just hearing that story or the story from um, un, Unbroken or the story of World War II veterans. And, you know, when I was out and then I was like in my mid twenties, what was I doing? I was like wearing dress shoes in an office and then drinking cheap beer um, and trying to pick up ladies in a bar, like in my mid and upper twenties. Like, and then these are like, they were farmers and school teacher. Cause I think, um, uh, Tom Hanks was a school. I know he was yeah, a yeah. character, but he was a teacher. Yep. You know, so you had teachers and and farmers, and and then they went back home to do yeah. that or work in you know um, in factories or in farms. And it's like, wow, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, then, and that that's that's the thing too, and that's one of the, the powerful things from the, uh, the honor from the honor flight, uh, and and there aren't a lot of World War II veterans still with us to take out there. So now they've moved to the Korean War veterans and the and the Vietnam War veterans and stuff. And um, just, just getting a chance to hear those stories of the pre-war life and then the post-war life. And you're looking at some of these guys in the service for 18 years or eight years or just three years and this and that. And, and it kind of all comes back. Everything kind of comes back to that very moment of, you know, uh, their, their service and that, 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 bond of brotherhood that that comes with it and i just think that's just something so unbelievably cool uh but to have and to share that i mean it's terrifying i mean again you're the father i mean i get worried if my son you know wanders down to get the mail and i'm like where where are you like how long does it take to get the mail and so like that but meanwhile quentin's over at utah beach and dad's or he's at omaha and dad's at utah it's like i mean the and you've got to worry about what's in front of you but your kid you know your kid's taking the beach at the same time yeah. it's just uh, it's it's a different world uh it's, for sure and that's different than being ken griffey in right field and ken griffey jr in center field worried about is is my son going to miss the ball 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just a touch different. (laughs) Just a snidge. Um, I'm I'm going through right now from start to finish the podcast series presidential. And um, one of my favorite presidents to learn about was Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And um, forgetting political agendas or affiliations, I really desperately think that we need a Teddy Roosevelt to come back and like bring new life into the the whole um, political environment and someone that can get out there and be like, this is why we need to protect the lands. We're both backpackers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like I just... I'd vote for someone in a heartbeat that was hiking sure. with people as part of their, instead of going and walking the streets door to door, someone that's like, just come talk to me. We're going to hike. I'd be like, I'll be in Muir woods. <laughs> Find me. Like, um, but yeah, Teddy, Teddy had a heck of a story. It's an incredible story. And I often, when I, when I think about these past presidents, all I think about is like, all right, what if we gave all of them Twitter accounts? What, what if, what if, what if, you know, <laughs> You imagine te- you imagine Thomas Jefferson with a Twitter account leading up to the American Revolution. Like, how many hashtags f George the Third is he going to put out there? Like, dude, come on! Like, I feel like um, Jefferson would have also had a lot about wine. He like, probably would have had quite a bit of wine. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and aspirations of one day this Louisiana area i'm gonna i'm gonna buy that he had some sort of drunken stupor a late night he's, he's you know he's taking a crap and he's tweeting out at 2 a.m louisiana like it's arts hashtag mark it down i'm gonna pin this tweet you know there he is that's, out of a gun that's awesome. all right so um we're getting close uh to our to ending our time together which is unfortunate because this has been amazing um but now I have a couple of uh, like Are you rapid, do rapid fire, rapid yes. fire questions. Oh, okay. Let me right. let me get a sip. Get, get, I was just gonna say, get a sip in there. All right. Get hydrated. I, I just All have right. a couple, uh, okay. and I might think of like a third. We'll see. But <laughs> the two that bad my answer is like, oh, now I have a follow up. Like, oh, yeah. sorry. And we're done. <laughs> and, uh, no. And scene. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so you get to sit down with Father Time. See what I did there, Father right. Time. I like it. Uh-huh. I like it. Yeah, like all right. It. Not Tom uh, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you sit can. down with Father Time, and Father Time says you can go um, to any place at any time in history. I will take you there right now. Where? All right. Selfishly, one only one. Oh, God. there's no runner-ups. Like. <laughs> Top thirty-eight, but here's the one. Oh, okay. No, no, only one. Thing. All right. It's it's it's. I mean, despite all the hey, let's go to the Big Bang and see if that happens. Uh, and so, not that, but um, for me, my favorite history moment battle is the Battle of Bunker Hill. So for me, I would I want to go. I want to go and see it. I want to see the ba- not be present, but be the floating person in front of everything. Battle Bunker Hill, because that it's it, that's the that is the battle that got me into history. When my teacher told me the Battle of Bunker Hill was fought on Breed's Hill, I was like, "What? You got? We've been lied to." He's, yes, the battle was wrong. It had the wrong name, and I would love to see it. So, American Revolution, Battle Bunker Hill. Okay. All right. Not like it, not, I don't want the creepy when my parents were in high school. Like I, I don't, I don't want to see that. I, yeah. no. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't know what day, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh god, where's mom? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> nope, I don't want that. Not that. I'm not that sentimental. No, 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 no. All right, Battle Bunker Hill. All right. Um, next question. You can sit down and have kegs and eggs Ooh. Ooh. with any of our founding fathers. 
Well, I, I'll tell you who I absolutely wouldn't. Oh, okay. Hundred uh, percent um, Hamilton, and I'm going to say something unpopular. I think he's the most overrated uh, founding father we've got out there. I don't like the guy. I think his raps are terrible. All right, now <laughs> that being said. <laughs> <laughs> They're historically inaccurate. How how dare they? He didn't rap that way. He was more of a beatboxer. I know that for a fact. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, I got to go with George Washington, easily, uh, because that. Uh, well, is this um, after the revolution or leading up to it? Is this in his presidential days or can it be at any? This can point? be at, at, at any point. Yeah. So we'll say this is he's newly out of office, so he's finally because I, I tell my students all George Washington wanted to do was go home and die. That's all he wanted to do. Like at the end of the revolution, he's like, I have done my time. I want to go home. That's what people just did back then. Like I am done. It's time to die. And then they just died. And, and then like America's like, hey, wait, we got this uh, presidential thing. Can you be our first president? He's like, okay, cool. I'll be president. And at the end of his first term, he's like, I want to go home and die. Like, well, about that. How about a second term? He's like, oh my God, people. Okay, fine. A second term. And at the end of the second term, they're like, how about a third? And that's why the unwritten rule of no more than two terms came into play till 22nd amendment. So then he went home and guess what he did? He died. He died like two years after he was out of office. That's it. So I I would catch it right after revolution. And I want to know, um, what really went down in Valley Forge and all that stuff. I, I just, I would, I would have a litany of questions about, uh, you know, why did you think crossing on the day of Christmas to attack the Hessians was going to be a good idea? And how scared were you really? And did you stand up in the boat like the picture? Cause I know that'd be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> did you right. see the docu-series in, on uh, history? I did. I saw that one. And then the one the History Channel did with uh, uh, Grant. Grant. Unbelievable. I, I like that. I'm actually reading. I'm chewing between the presidential memoir of um, Grant right now, and then one on uh, Coolidge. Go with uh, go with Grant. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's such small font. It's yeah, taking it me it's, forever. It's, 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 it's biblical. It's got like the th- the thin <sighs> pages. Like, what is this? Who writes on this? So yeah, I'm like, oh, can we write this in like just like. Twitter, please, because then it would be quicker. <laughs> 140 characters. That's it. Uh, Calvin Coolidge would, because he was he was uh, he was quiet. He was a quiet guy, and there was a. Uh, I don't know how much time, and if you need to cut this out, cut it out. I'm sorry, but um, so there was. Uh, he never talked. His nickname was Silent Cal, and mm-hmm. so he was at a dinner party, and someone had bet someone that I'm going to get him to say three words, and so forth. And he must have caught wind of it because at the end of the night, as they were saying goodbye to the to the guest, because he didn't say anything all night, he turned to the person and said, "You." lose and that was it so, <laughs> that's the coolest calvin coolidge moment that's the coolest calvin coolidge moment. there it is so maybe that's in the book somewhere who knows but i summed up his life for you nothing else that's it right when i read it i'll let you know what page it's on yes <laughs> all right well that's it for me for my uh for my two rapid fires oh, right, i thought you were gonna you. have a third one i can't think of one okay so you and father time sit down for kegs and eggs who has a better beard <laughs> I'm not going to mess with Father Time. He's like, and you're done. <laughs> okay, so Father Time wins. Absolutely. Well, well, I think we won for having you on for this episode. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Sean, dude, thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you for everyone listening at home, wherever and however you're listening to us. Please be sure to uh, drop us a line on social media or uh, if you could give us a five-star rating, that's the best way to help out a small uh, podcast. Thank you again to our house band, DS and the Goat Herders for our theme song. And um, until next episode, stay strong, dadass.